Hey everyone, it's Nick with The Whip Shop, and I want to thank each and every one of you very much for tuning in to episode number 13 of Whipcast. I have two very special guests today, April Choi and Bethany Burns. Uh, we're going to be talking about everything from fire whip construction to the physics behind a whip and um, kind of Bethany and April's journey. Both of them are in the performing arts, particularly fire performance, uh, hence the fire whips, which we'll be heavily talking about later. Uh, April is a mechanical engineer, and during the podcast, uh, we were touching on uh, some discussions about high-speed cameras. And during the time that the podcast was recorded, she uh, didn't have the the privilege of being able to disclose some of the projects that she was uh, that she had worked on and was currently working on. But now, since it's all said and done and it has been released, it's now safe to talk about it. And I want to have you head over to the YouTube channel Smarter Every Day, guys. This has been my favorite YouTube channel uh, for years. I always love the stuff, the innovative ideas, and the exploration that Destin is doing with science. Uh, I've been particularly fascinated with his use of phantom high-speed cameras uh, by Re Vision Research. Um, he does a lot of stuff with slow-motion bullets uh, showing the shockwave, and I always thought it'd be so cool if he covered uh, the tip of a whip breaking the speed of sound, which is the reason that I got into whips, and it was so refreshing to see this video. Destin Sandlin, alongside his team, and April Choi are making history. They've already made a few discoveries that no one ever knew about before, and I just can't wait to see how this unfolds. Uh, so the first installment of this research project has been released on Destin's YouTube channel, Smarter Every Day, featuring my guest for today, uh, one of my guests for today, April Choi. So without further ado, here's April Choi and Bethany Burns. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You guys are both uh, fire performers and uh, performers in general. Just a little bit about you both. Where, where are you from? Um, I'm originally, I was born Pennsylvania, grew up in Indiana, and then moved to Iowa. So like just everywhere where there's corn. Yes. <laughs> I was born South Carolina, moved to Tennessee, and then did schooling in Tennessee, Alabama, and Iowa. Very good. So what were some of your interests growing up? Did you have favorite classes? Were you into sports, either one of you? I guess what, what did you, math? Yeah. Math, 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 Very cool. math. How about you? Horses, fiction. <laughs> Horses fiction and drama club. There you go. <laughs> so it's kind of classic. Very good. Everything artsy, except not drawing. I'm a terrible, terrible drawing. I can paint a set really well. You're a terrible drawing? I'm a terrible drawing. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward a little bit. Uh, April, we'll start with you. You have a degree in mechanical engineering. Um, talk to me a little bit about you know what kind of made you want to go that route. Uh, you said you loved math. Was it? Tell me what what drew you into mechanical engineering. Uh, I'm Asian, <laughs> <laughs> and my parents wanted me to either be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. I figured the engineer would work people least. Uh, <laughs> so eventually, uh, getting through high school, they're like, "Well, I don't have 
to talk as to many people is by engineering. So I went into engineering undecided. I did a couple of undergraduate um, programs and participations, including one at um, Auburn University um, for industrial engineering. Uh, I was specifically ergonomics and um, biomechanics because I wanted to do prosthetic arms and stuff like that because Very of cool. my martial arts background. I wanted to know more about the human body. Didn't have a particularly good experience with that field. Um, I needed to be back home because of uh, a different mental state that I needed to help resolve. Mm -hmm. So then I came back, uh, lived with my parents, and then finished up my degree in mechanical engineering uh, with a focus in combustion. So combustion wow. engines was where I was going for. Um, in order to do combustion, I needed thermal fluids because obviously there's thermal fluids and heat and everything in an engine. And then my professor ended up being somebody who was interested in fluid dynamics. So I ended up doing my master's degree uh, concentration in fluid dynamics. Wow. And that actually goes hand in hand with, with whips, you know, which we can get oh, in yes. later. You know, the mechanics of it, it's, that's exactly, I mean, being a oh, mechanical yeah. engineer and what more could you, could you want as a whip performer to have that background? That's exactly. awesome. I know the physics of whips very, very well. I know the fluid dynamics. And actually, my master's degree, um, so my thesis itself, it was fluid dynamics and in fluid dynamics you have a couple of different um, focuses. Mine was specifically compressible flow or I should say my professor was. So he was compressible flow of um, uh, computational fluid dynamics and compressible flow just means high speeds because at low speeds it tends to stay fairly homogeneous um, and then relatively the same densities. So compressible just means various densities which means you tend to need high speed high flow like shockwave is a, a discrepancy of going low density, super high density, low density. Mm -hmm. So then I got to do a bunch with shockwave production as well. Very awesome. So Bethany, after high school, did, did you did you have a fascination in the physics of all this stuff or what did you do after high school? Um, I actually did massage for quite a long time. And um, so I have a degree with massage therapy, so very much more body. I'm actually working in medical communications now. So. She makes a wonderful wife because of all the <laughs> massages. Oh. Hands definitely give out after a while doing professionally full-time for a while. Sure. And so I'm, as I said, working medical field, so I'm still at least using it. And since I did so much theater and everything else, then communications at least is kind of, you know, it's very much of a getting emails from people and just being like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> how did you write this? What are you doing with your life? So today you are, you're both known pretty well known in performing arts, particularly fire performance. April, you 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 kind of are the, the fire whip virtuoso as far as I'm concerned. When people are are <laughs> questioning, you know, have questions about fire whips, I say go yeah. go check out April Choi's YouTube channel. She's got all this oh, yeah. awesome performance. Like that's that's one of your favorites. Fire. Like how did you both get into performing arts? Like talk me through what drew you into it. I mean obviously it's awesome. <laughs> like I just see it and I'm like, that's pretty sweet. You know, um, how what happened? Did you know somebody in it? Talk with me about that. So performing arts, like way, way back when, my mom discovered that uh, a local school called Strawberry Top mm -hmm. um, uh, turns out they had a dance program where you could put your tiny little Asian daughter into like five different dance styles because it's like one of every single day of the week and it was like a hundred dollars for the entire month or you could do like fifty dollars per class I don't actually those numbers I don't really know what I mean but I know for a fact it was super cheap to just throw your daughter in an after-school dance class every <laughs> single day for like a hundred bucks which means what two hours two to three hours a day five days a week 15 hours a week 
It's called weeks. her mom was getting a PhD and her dad was getting a master's degree and they needed, you know, free baby. babysitting. It came out to like $2 <laughs> an hour. Really? Wow. Was basically what it came out to. Like it was huh. ridiculously cheap to just throw your child. Because that's, I mean, I was like five. I'm not going to do anything other than sit in the corner and be like, tap your foot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Put your arms up. Okay. Turn in a circle. Okay. That was like the extent. So that's what got started. And then. I fell in love with jazz actually more than anything else. So then I continued in jazz with a um, dance instructor named TC um, and uh, her daughter named Joy. They actually helped me um, continue doing dance as a performance art. And then I did some of my per first performances in jazz and lyrical. After that, um, kept moving around, eventually uh, got into ballroom, Latin and breakdance. I helped start my high school's um, breakdancing team. And then when I got to university, I decided that I should start teaching classes. So basically, because I was like the most senior student at a dance studio known as Arts à la carte. Um, so then for, I just started teaching um, there. And then I ended up joining a bunch of competition routines with uh, Ballroom with Diane Del Marco, um, uh, Reginald Williams with the Latin team, and then um, Michael Bradford for the swing team. Very so then cool. I ended up doing a bunch of different competition teams. So then I was just, at that point, just constantly competing and performing in dance. Then as a professional dance instructor, I went around teaching at circus festivals. And then in the circus festivals, I discovered the other side of performance arts, um, which were the whip stuff, the circus stuff, the fire stuff. All right, the cat was getting into stuff. She's cute, though. <laughs> Sorry, that's a long story, but like, if you want how I got into it, it was basically dragged kicking and screaming to babysitting to okay. like how I'm actually now a performer who gets paid and pays taxes and that's awesome. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, taxes. Taxes is a yeah, as a witmaker well, performer. In like three countries and in twenty different states, and I'm like, what the heck, dude? Yeah. You have like ten W twos from every state. <laughs> yeah. So Bethany, how about you? Uh, when when did you start getting into performing arts? I've been in it for a long time. I did a lot of theater and stage managing. I actually, being on stage is extremely recent for me, and I still do probably as much backstage as I do on stage. Mm -hmm. um, I did horseback riding for most of my life, um, so I was mostly just clomping around a barn in really ugly boots and really dirty jeans. Um, you know, like at like one hour out of every hour you spend horseback riding you actually look nice the rest of the time you just kind of have poop <laughs> um but I did that for a long time I did a little bit of showing but I again I did mostly training for other people and they're like well we're gonna go show this horse I was like cool I'll like put the hours on it and then you go do that thing and you can wash it <laughs> see you and so so like even then I was pretty backstage. I mostly did hours on the other horses, training, some instructing, stuff like that. And then I did a lot of theater for a long time. Again, pretty much pretty much entirely tech. Um, hmm. Occasionally little bit parts in the background where they're like, oh shit, we're supposed to have a ghost and we don't have a person and everyone's <laughs> busy. You're the right height for this costume. Will you be the ghost? Sure. Do I have to talk? No. Cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I got cracked with the candlestick on stage and... Ghosts can't talk, so you're just like, ah. <laughs> you know, things like that. And I ended up actually learning dance because we were at a convention that I, a friend of mine asked me to help work. So I was actually doing, like, registration and other things for them. 
and uh, she was teaching dance at it, and I had a giant crush on her because we've been in a number of the same places, and she had no idea who I was. So I took the dance class because then she had to talk to me and um, ended up really enjoying it and just taking a bunch of other classes other places, um, just meaning to do social dance. Like I never intended to perform and then just kind of ended up on stage by accident. That's awesome. So you, you two <laughs> met you two met in the performing arts then. That's where you met each other then. Yeah. Very cool. And you guys just had an awesome wedding where you set your dresses on fire. Yeah. And it went That's viral too, didn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Man. How many 30, views did you get on that? You got like two, 2 million views or something on that video. I just watched it. Uh, oh, yeah, just only the, just on a couple of the videos, we each got a couple million views. That's so. awesome. The Congratulations. One, like, 30 countries. Like, wow. We had um, people send us pictures from Ireland, Germany, um, Taiwan. There was a couple in a couple different Indian languages that people send us pictures of that we have no idea what they say, but they're really pretty. <laughs> Uh, I think there's one in Arabic that was really gorgeous looking. I don't know what it says though. Hopefully it wasn't terrible. And Hindi and a bunch of other languages <laughs> that are beautiful recognize. to look at. Yeah. That is so cool. So could you feel the heat? Like was it scary having a big ball of fire behind you? How'd that feel? You're probably you used to it. You can't look though because you just have to like be like, I'm looking scared. The heat because it got onto her leg. There's enough distance for mine that I didn't really feel a heat until I put my arm back. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot more fabric to my skirt than there was on hers. So mine actually ended up melting and going down my leg. Oh, um, wow. So that's what safety leggings are for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were wearing um, pretty thick cotton leggings from Harmonic Threads. Um, luckily, I managed to get all of the plastic off of my Harmonic Thread leggings because I adore anything from Harmonic Threads. And so I managed to save the leggings, which is good. Awesome. <laughs> The gotta... leggings saved my legs from being getting the shit burned out of them. <laughs> Melted polyester hurts like hell. Don't yes. ask me how I know that. <laughs> smells smells great too. Melted it's polyester. Lovely. That was an awesome picture. I, I really enjoyed seeing that. And it's who was the photographer who got the main picture? I saw April. It was on display in a museum or something. That was Michael cool. Wong. Michael Wong. Okay. Yep. yep. Of Kakuni Studios. Yeah, and so he's a part of Studio Reserved in Cedar Rapids. So they have an old church building where, what is it, four photographers? It's him, Michael, or him, Michael. Michael, Eric, Anna. Eric is the make one, yeah. Um, um, is that through just three photographers? And then his wife, Kathy, owns a sewing studio. She does yeah, a lot Michael of dress alterations for, um, she actually works for the local theater a lot. Mm. And then she does mostly prom and bridal alterations for their dresses. She's amazing. Very cool. That's awesome. She actually makes the most money out of all of them, <laughs> by far. <laughs> So, April, I want to talk a little bit about um, your Guinness World Records. You have quite a few of them. Very impressive yeah. world records. Um, what kind of made you decide to get into Guinness, first of all? Um, and I guess what was your first record that you attempted to set? Uh, the first record I attempted to set was World's Longest Fire Whip. Wow. Um, uh, it didn't go through because at that time Guinness was like, they said it was too dangerous, and they didn't want to encourage other people to do that. I'm like, you have a human being being on fire. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? That's crazy. Because, like, sometimes you'll contact Guinness, and they'll be like, that's a great idea. And sometimes you'll contact, and they'll be like, I don't know. And sometimes they'll be like, that's too similar to a previous record, and sometimes it won't. But anywho, I filed for longest fire whip ever. They didn't do it. But then eventually the longest fire whip got pretty close to the longest whip. Mm. So I'm like, How long was that one? The longest whip, I think we did it at two. 180 was the first one, I think. Wait, are you talking about longest fire whip? Or yeah, longest... yeah, specifically that one oh, fire whip. The longest fire whip is 186 feet. 
Oh my gosh. That's crazy. It ended up being uh, 270 was its max distance. Uh-huh. Wow. And then I broke the record at 240. And then Adam, I think, was going to do the Fire Whip record at 270. And then he, I think he took it to LA WhipCon, and then he gave it to Leo Maxwell. Mm. So I think Leo Maxwell has it at 270. And that thing is soaked with fuel, too, when you're throwing it. Yeah, I can't imagine it, how yeah. heavy that thing is. That's, oh, that's crazy. It takes so much of fuel, too. <laughs> yeah, the fuel yeah. is approximately 64 pounds. That whip, I think, approximately <laughs> 30. Pounds. Yeah, it was approximately yeah. 30 pounds. That's insane. So it takes people to fuel it because, of course, you do it for a show. Because if you're going right. to do it, you want other people to pay for the fuel. So you do it in a show, and then they pay for it. Yeah. So one person's holding a flashlight, and one person's holding the bucket. And one person's holding the fuel, and one person's putting it into the bucket. Mm. The other person's laying it out straight. But, of course, it's all along the ground, so you have to shuffle about two inches above the ground down. So yeah. you have five people in a big wad shuffling down a field really slowly <laughs> with a flashlight over top of them. And it looks like the stupid – oh, gosh. It's so, so funny. So Someone funny. got pictures up. They're like, you guys look like you're crazy. <laughs> Are there videos of this anywhere? Oh, I don't no, know. Someone so – okay. Um, the video production we were a company we oh, were working yeah. yeah, the video production company we were working with to get video of like the records of the, the all of the thing, unfortunately, um, they ended up not producing the videos and they just ran oh. off and like the company like died. So the so that oh. was sponsored by a flow festival um, initially called uh, Southern Illinois Flow and a later known as um, Southern Illinois uh, Music Festival. Okay. And unfortunately, they paid for everything, um, and they did, did the record and all the paperwork and stuff. And uh, unfortunately, I think they no Grant, one knows what happens to any of the video. I think Grant like wow. pushed legal matters. He tried he suing didn't. for the just to get the video yeah, back. Yeah, sure, just, sure. I don't care if you edit, just please give me the raw stuff so I have something. Yeah, because it was like five or six thousand dollars for their entire yeah. production team. Like they had a boom like. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Nice. They had like, two drones wow. and a bunch of stuff. Like they had drone footage of the thing, and we were really excited to see oh, drone sure. footage of the work going. Yeah. And like, man, that's terrible. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Grant was out like five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's crazy. So, so April, how many current world records are you holding right now? Um, I want to say for Guinness, it's somewhere between a dozen and like maybe between ten and twenty. For a record setter, I think it's between somewhere closer to 20, 15 and 25. And then, mm -hmm. like, there was a bunch of smaller ones. Like, there's a Czech one that does some whip ones. Um, and then there's, like, online records that do some whip ones. Um, and then some, some like, other cards, yo-yos and um, juggling ones. All together, that's officiated by probably in the, the 30s to 40s. Mm. Awesome. So my favorite world record that, that you set was the Django blocks, cutting, <laughs> knocking the Django blocks out with a whip. I mean, that's, that's yeah, not easy. What's that? You need to come over and play sometime. I'd love to. I don't, well, it's... you can't use your whips because you have really heavy whips that hit yeah, things I know. really hard. Oh, yeah, you're like... Those just like explode the tower. You have to use really gentle <laughs> whips. You're like no fire whips. And like, like they're I'm gorgeous, gonna... but like. That thing will literally like explode the tower, which would be a really cool like slow motion video, actually. But 
Yeah, so that's yeah, that's. April's turn, and she'll go up and she'll tap one out really delicately, and you'll go up and just like explode the thing. Yes, and be like, complete Meh. demolition. Yeah, that's 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 how we can take care of it. But that's really cool. That that's such a an original idea. I love that. And you you that's that's such a creative thing to do. And that's not easy for those of you listening to this. God. When you're targeting a whip, when you're targeting a whip, you have gravity ninety degrees working against you, so you have to kind of over you know overshoot a little bit and aim higher than it's not yeah, just cattleman so, cracks. You know, so the that's. Thing was, after a while, I knew I had to, because some of the records started pushing, like, what was the uh, most number of bricks you can get before the tower falls over? Mm-hmm. So that one I have about 10 personal and 8 on video. Um, and for those ones, you have to go softer because you don't want to knock the entire thing over. And then, yeah, if the soft you go, the, the accuracy goes <laughs> Yeah. So. I'm going to have to try that. I think I have a Jenga game around here somewhere, but... Yeah. It's yeah. not particularly that difficult. I mean, there's a whole bunch of tricks you can help. Uh, a couple things that I didn't realize is you don't want to go... Uh, when I first started, I went, like, square on. You actually want to turn it so it's like a diamond facing you. Uh-huh. Um, and you don't actually want to hit with just the popper because then it's like a tap, tap, tap. Mm. What you want to do is you take a lighter fall. Like, maybe if you're going to use paracord instead of, like, doubling it up, just use a single one mm-hmm. of good amount length. And you actually want to wrap around the tower a little bit, and you drag along that brick, and you drag that brick backwards is a little bit more likely to um, get the brick out consistently without, like, destroying your tower. Gotcha. Um, also use a slightly heavier popper one for the weight, but also so the popper doesn't wedge between two bricks, because mm. then you're just screwed, because then when you pull backwards, it pulls the whole tower over. Um, yeah. I mean, I can give you a whole bunch of other ones, like make sure like you test your tower. You can either do it by hand, depending on what the rules are. Some places let you like test it by hand and then like you mentally mark which bricks are looser mm-hmm. or you just sit there and just very lightly tap it with the whip and then see what bricks move and then you go for those bricks. Very cool. Do you have a favorite world record that you've set? I don't know. Balloons balloons were really fun, actually. Um, we just did the world record for most balloons popped with a whip um, uh, sat yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Oh, wow. Whoa. That was yesterday. Nice. Yeah, that was with um, oh, Josh Horton for, from World Record Wednesdays. So okay. he helped sponsor that particular trick. Um, yeah, that was just a bunch of balloons and really loud noises. And, God, that was entertaining. It's fun to have um, that little extra report. Was this week. Yeah. And we had two friends who were both like big bearded dudes who are like all burly and they're like both ex-military because they just happened to be the friends that were free that had like timing experience. And so they're both like over in the corner blowing up all the balloons <laughs> and they're like over setting other things up like, yeah, let's go get the balloons. Let's test in all the sizes. <laughs> oh, God, it was so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> they're just like throwing balloons everywhere. They're in this little colorful corner in the middle with their like big military shirts and beards and stuff oh, yeah. <laughs> eggs one was really super oh, fun eggs was fun is that it Tom? smelled bad though who is oh they who do who's that book anywho um guinness wanted like four or five records done in like a week so we ended up rushing wow. a couple records through with them so they weren't nearly as high as we wanted them to but we at least got them and i know eggs was one of those where it's like hey do you think you can get uh the world record for most number of eggs broken with a whip in like a week i'm like are you guys kidding me that <laughs> was really cool in slow motion though yeah yeah, but like, I, oh my God, they splattered everywhere. I was hanging out with Adam and uh, yeah, Adam Winrich over at Blake Bruning's place. Uh, it was a few months ago, and the hardest part we were trying to find the eggs, the six millimeter or the six centimeter eggs. That's yeah. we we're joking, like, man, that's the hardest part about yeah. this world record, finding those stupid right. eggs. Right. And it should be the smaller they are, the harder it is. So how you know how is that? 
it just makes it more challenging if they're smaller than six yeah, centimeters. Yeah, so you go to the stores, and luckily they have like small, medium, large, extra large, jumbo, extra jumbo. Ostrich eggs. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I filmed it uh, in 120 frames a second. I'll have to show you guys that yeah. sometime. It turned out pretty cool. It's but pretty cool. We did the same thing. I think we had one at... Uh... 30. Yeah, so we did 120 as well. Nice. Yeah, I've I've been wanting so badly to rent one of those Vision Research Phantom uh, mm. cameras. You know, 500,000 frames a second. Like, I've been wanting to do that for probably 15 Have you seen years. The uh, um the bullet photography. What's his name? In Philadelphia. Uh, uh, it's not de Rick. smarter every day. Is it Destin? Smarter every no, day. No, uh, it's a photographer in um, Philadelphia. Mitch Martinez. Mitch Martinez. Look oh, up Mitch the, Martinez. With the playing card. Got... Is it a card? Uh, that... I think he did that, but he's also done no, Firebreezing and Firewoods. Destin is the one who did the, the playing the, card. The playing card. Okay, so I Mitch love Martinez that does Firebreezing and Firewits. Um, with uh, um the the bullet photography, mm -hmm. and he's got phantoms on the end of it on each one. Oh and, man. Uh, he has yeah, he has red dragons on those. Oh, are they red dragons? That's mm -hmm. what oh, Okay, either way, like that's so look awesome. Look at bullet photography, fire breathing. Those, I will. Those I will. Insane. So cool. Those are cameras are insane. They cost like two thousand for a week. Otherwise, I'd be renting them all the time. But I, <laughs> I know, that's that's a dream of mine. You can buy one for two hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm really good friends with you if you buy one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be so it's fun all, though. It's always been a dream of mine to like get one of those cameras and just Me be too. like, what can we blow up with a yes. whip? <laughs> yes. Like you do if you win the lottery. <laughs> if I rented one and spent that money, I'd be like, I'd stay up for like 48 hours filming everything I could. You know what I mean? Just like get as oh, much inside oh, yeah. of as possible. No. I, I, I've been uh, helping people out with those types of videography projects. And like for my, uh, at work, I have an impact testing one. So I got to play with like super high speed cameras and watching them like, Lucky uh, so you. it's called Bob's Falling Objects Protection Structures. Uh -huh. Watching those things like, hit the things and just be like boom and you're yeah. like holy crap <laughs> i love that stuff yeah, that's pretty impressive very cool i got a lot of texts that day <laughs> <laughs> we just dropped this thing on this and it was at this speed and this is how far up it was and this is a okay and then whatever kind of metal it was and whatever thickness and tempering yeah. Yeah. i got a lot of details that i didn't understand that day yeah <laughs> So you guys, do you have any projects coming up? I know you, you both perform live. Do you have any uh, any new exciting oh. shows coming up that you want to? She has a really cool one under oh, NDA. Oh, no, no, you can't say it. I'm not. I'm just saying it's under NDA, so you should ask us that trust in a couple me. months. No, okay. Trust okay. me, okay. especially what we've just talked about with who you, like, in the next, like, five to six months, you're going to see a number of amazing projects that come out. I can't give you any more information than that because of the NDAs. Sure, sure. But, like, they're they're going to blow people. Like, they blew my mind. Like, nice. I was, like, mesmerized by what we could do. And that's awesome. all I can tell you guys is just keep a, keep a watch on social media. Um, if you can track us down on Instagram, She'll be Facebook. She'll really excited and post it everywhere. Don't worry. Oh, trust me. Like, there's no It'll get plastered on, like, the bedroom, probably. I'm going to come home, and I'll just be like, who redecorated? <laughs> <laughs> you, do you realize what this image is? Like, <laughs> this is the only image of this in the entire world. Ever. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be fun yeah, to see that. so excited. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm really excited about writing that um, Through the Ages dance routine thing. Oh, yeah. We have a burlesque routine. I have a LED whip routine, a self-cutting, and a magic routine um, that I'm trying to put together. Um, I have a whips and chains routine. routine. 
that will be probably released 2020, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, just mostly a lot of dance stuff kind of in the works oh, for duh. choreography. What we filmed yesterday, um, Josh Horton will release a video in approximately two and a half weeks of World Record Wednesdays where you get to see um, two new world records, one we've already mentioned, so let's not mention the other one because I don't think we're supposed to talk about it. Fair that. enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, we're, we have some amazing photography and videography teams that yeah. are working with us as Josh well. Josh and Casey were super nice. Yeah. Casey Cassie, wasn't it? Cassie. Cassie. Sorry, Cassie. <laughs> yeah, we'll have, like, come, uh, we'll have a release in February, probably a week be release before the end of the year, and then I have a really, really fun videography project that I'm really hoping works out that will probably, we can't meet up till probably April or May-ish, but if they- Winter in the Midwest. Yeah, if they, <laughs> if I manage to get up to them or they come up to me, like, it, it's going to be an epic project nice. um, that hopefully no one has ever seen uh, whips do what they do looking forward <laughs> to that I love it in this section of the podcast we'll hear a little bit from April and Bethany about their first time making a whip it's something I oftentimes like to bring up what was the first experience making a whip like I know for me I was stumbling through it and I told myself I'd never do it again let's hear their stories whips before I cracked whips really okay um, what ended up happening was uh, the first flow camp that I went to was where I met Brian Shank he's one of the whip artists in Indianapolis uh, he's like the, one of the first people to ever do fire whips in Indianapolis um, he was about to have a wedding and his wife wanted to commission a whip mm -hmm. and she didn't know who to go to and so she said hey April you make stuff why don't you make a whip and I'm like, this is a whip for the person who taught me how to crack whips. Mm. Like, I need to make a nice whip. So they're basically I, her parents. They're her extra parents. Yeah, they're my parents. Like so Willow, the cat we have downstairs that's super shy. Mm -hmm. uh, that that was their parents' cat. So it's basically my my aunt cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so because of that, I spent like 50 hours just researching whips and stuff. Like. Watched all of uh, Barry's videos, watched all of Steve Huntress's books, read, sorry, read uh, Steve Huntress's books, um, uh, uh, Rhett Kelly's blog and everything, mm -hmm. the couple of small books, obviously Ron Edwards' books and all the other ones, read all those, uh, made like two or three prototypes before making his, suddenly realized it was so hard to calculate everything, so mm -hmm. on his I actually ended up putting the back. Balance. Um, I saw that people, to balance their whip, uh, rather than calculate how you want to balance the whip and then make the whip, because I didn't have a lot of experience at this point, I made the whip and then balanced it afterwards by adding weight to it, which is mm. now the what I do now, is every single of my whip, do you mind grabbing one of those flow whips? Yeah. Uh, every single time I make a whip, I now um, add the counterbalance uh, after the fact. <laughs> I can get it. So these ones, I overbalanced the ends. Uh, you're not going to be able to see, the, see yeah, this on the podcast, but you'll hear. So you can see, like, this entire thing got cut. Oh, wow, okay. With, and then I'll show you this from the side, like, this isn't, like, cut and then hammered in there. It's going to be hard to see, but for everybody on the podcast, so the, um, the, the end of the carbon fiber and the steel slug that ends there is obviously cut together. It wasn't mm. like I put the slug in afterwards. So I made this whip with extra... Uh, about an inch or so 
extra steel. Mm-hmm. And then I started cutting down the handle to tune the balance. So you guys, once again, won't be able to see this, but I have a balance point marked on this whip. So if I, oh, I need to put the, the cap back on, sorry. <laughs> Doesn't work if it's not, you know, balanced. <laughs> so this, there you go. So this point right here, is the balance point of the whip when it Perfect. doesn't have um thing uh like when the thong isn't straight. Mm-hmm. This thong is straight, the balance point's at here. What that enables me to do is um so in the Florence world there's something that's known as fishtails, which is the ability to spin a whip without um holding on to it. So I can crack whips and spin it without actually having to hold it in my hands. Wow. So like if I just hold it like this. I can hit like this, mm-hmm. and then if I need to crack it, I can kick it up. Goes in the air, and I push along here, which will drop the handle. That'll drop the handle down. I push forward. Woo! And <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So therefore, you don't actually have to grip it, and therefore, it just looks cool to be able to start cracking whips and spinning them around without yeah. actually having to hold on to your hands. That is really neat. So, so that particular whip there, what would you use that one for? Would you use that for targeting at all, or is that just more of a you know freestyle? Uh, so these are now my everyday whips. So like this one right here, um, I've kind of been deeming these uh, flow whips. They're like an offshoot of um, speed whips and what I've been using. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is what I mainly use these days. Uh, this one right here I was for my uh, 2018 routine, which was Dangerous Woman. Uh, what these whips allow me to do is because of the counterweight, I can do a whole bunch of things. Like I can use them like poi. I can use them like machettes. I can mm. use them like nunchucks. I can use them like double stabs. I can use them as contact staff. Uh, I can use them as puppy hammer. Um, just a whole bunch of things. I can use them as, uh, what is those? Contact staff. Yeah, I already said contact. It, it, I get hmm. to use them in a hundred different ways. Rope darts is something it's because it is so, so end heavy now. I get to use it as rope darts. Um, and then of course, these are what I use for our show routines for cutting and for speed stuff. Um, so like the world's fastest whip uh, I made for the fastest whip record, which is the most number or the fastest time to hit 10 targets with a whip, I severely end weighted it because it turns out something I discovered about whips is if you end weight it, people like you're adding mass, but what happens is you're shortening the 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 inertial radius of um, second area moment of inertia. Because you're shortening the distance between where the mass is and the center, mm-hmm. What happens is the overall second area moment of inertia decreases, which hmm. means you can physically move the whip nose faster. So if you think about it, if I take a sledgehammer and I put the weight at the end here, so it's at the so if I hold the base of the handle with the head here, it's gonna be really, really hard to move. And what people don't realize if you add mass right here mm-hmm. underneath your hand to a hammer, it actually becomes easier to move because the rotational inertia goes down even though the total mass goes up. Oh, wow. So that's how I was able to make a whip that was ridiculously fast so that I could get the fastest whip record, which is now at 2.5 seconds for 10 wow. targets. It's so cool to be to be hearing the physics from you know an engineer right now. I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's really cool because I can, I can crack a whip and I can feel these things going on, but to hear why they're going on is really, really cool. So I'm sure oh, yeah. a lot of people and it, like, are really helps uh, just like the efficiency because a lot of those speed records the most the whip so that they're really effective. So like the most bull whip cracks in a minute, people don't realize if you look at the whips that um, Adam owns, uh, uh, Jack Laburas owns um, for that record, it's super well like 
tapered. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tapers early and then thins out, so it stays a lot lighter. Hmm. Like, so that's where my advantage is: is I can understand why a whip um, does what it does, mm-hmm. and then I can uh, uh, modify it um, within the rules so that it basically makes it a little bit easier for me to get some of those records. Very cool. So, did you work with leather at all before you got into nylon and Kevlar? Um, no, I went the reverse. Uh, just I guess I'm not the reverse. That's what most people go through is they do nylon first because it's the easiest. Then mm-hmm. I went to polyester for a while. Then I went to cowhide because it's cheaper. Right, uh, right. Did a couple of cowhide whips. Um, did a a deconstruction of a ruhide whip that was four plat, split it so I could make it into an eight plat whip, um, and then just at that point it was so much work. I'm like, mm-hmm. I no, I'm going to stick with nylon. And yeah. then at that point, I was doing a couple aerial style routines, and I want to be able to hang off my whips. And mm-hmm. of course, the leather ones just keep breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, I'm like, well, nylon is pound for pound stronger than steel, and yeah. even ruhide isn't quite that strong. So I just, at that point, decided I'm just going to stick with um, uh, nylon for almost everything except certain speed records. Then I'll switch to Dacron because it is less dense mm. and it'll float. Yeah. Bethany, are, are you into whip making at all? Have you ever? That was our first date. Yeah. Actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> the first time we actually hung out, uh, she invited me over and she's like, I need to decor. What was it? Uh, it was, God, it's probably a thousand feet of paracord. And I was like, you're going to what? It was over a thousand feet. <laughs> and so, oh my you know, gosh. I dressed all cutesy because I was like really excited about the day and it's It's like a nice talk because I was like, we're going to be inside, right? No, we spent the time walking in the rain outside, <laughs> decoring over a thousand feet of paracord, and I was freezing cold. Yeah. So um, I think the first time I tried making a whip, um, I actually like the clean start better now. So that's what I like that um, when you don't have to cut anything off and put a Turk's head and bind it at all. Okay. That's always what I do now. But the first time I tried learning it, of course, we had like just started hanging out, and you're always kind of careful around people that you've just met. You know, you sure. try to behave nicely and like keep things out. And I just, I showed up at her house, and um, she answers the door, and she's like, "What are you doing here?" And I just had this like tangled mass of nylon. I was like, "Show me how to do this fucking start on burning this thing on your doorstep." <laughs> and she was like, "What on earth is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> Probably my method of whips is not the one you want to start with. Nowadays, it is, it's pretty simple. It is, kind of, it is pretty beautiful to start off with, and you do get a really clean start, and you don't have to put a Turk's head, or you can put other forms of decorations on the ends. So I really do enjoy that start. But um, And it makes for super sleek whips not to have yeah. a whatnot or a transition. Yeah. And I like I like really lightweight, flexible whips now. Sure. So, um, you know, I appreciate it now. <laughs> but um, I mostly make whips when it's, like a friend just being like, I really want one. I'm like, okay. So I tend not to have any of my own at home. Yeah. Um, Cause I tend to just kind of give them out to people. And then April's like, you could sell that. I'm like, that's so much work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I offered her to like, basically give her my whip making business. Like you do realize I have to give up whip making so I can move on and do performance more. <laughs> and like, you can make $50 an hour if you do fire whips. And she's like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the thing is, is I know how nice I am to my whips. And everyone else isn't. 
Oh, people it's, beat their whips and they don't know it. Especially with fire whips. Yeah. And with using Technora as the core, Technora is much stronger. Mm -hmm. So if you treat it correctly, it lasts so much longer and it performs so well and it's so flexible and I love it personally. Yeah. But if you let it sit on the ground for more than like 10 seconds, like it stays still, um, it will glassify the Technora. And mm. so once you glassify it, it gets very brittle and it snaps super easily. Wow. So it's really strong until you glassify it. Yeah. Like you can literally like tow a car with like wow. a quarter inch Technora. That's crazy. So so how many how, how many burns can you go through with with your average fire whip before it's it's worn out? Hundred ten. The the one that we officially <laughs> tested when with the final design, when I'm like, okay, this is all the things I want. It was the material we found that we wanted. We got 100 on 10 on that particular whip before its first and repair. And that was before we were like, we should probably repair this. It wasn't totally busted. It was mm. just, this probably isn't quite safe enough. We should repair it. And then we repaired that one, and then we got 150 to 160 before we had to do the second repair. Mm -hmm. And then um, it just destroyed itself because we accidentally left it in the ocean. No, well, we no. the ocean just for pictures because we're like, Meh, it's almost at the end of its lifespan anyway, right? Yeah. And so we had, we had like, you have any idea how long it takes to put like 160 burns on a fire whip? Like, oh. we literally had times where we went out to a beach with, with like, like five of us, <laughs> and just like chase cans down the beach. And we took <laughs> it to festivals. So we took it to festivals, and it was just like, here, burn this fire whip. They go out, come here, take a picture of the whip, do that again. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just handed it to people because we're like, please burn this. We're so tired of burning this particular whip. Mm. But um, yeah, so we left it in a bag after cracking it in the ocean, just like a Ziploc bag, like a gallon. And then we forgot about it and had it in the bag for like a week before we unpacked from that trip. So it just sat Ooh. in the salt water for a week and we're like, I wonder what salt water does to Kevlar. We pull it out and it looks fine. It's basically dried out. Oh my gosh. Like the whole like probably last foot of the whip exploded. There was like wow. bits of Kevlar everywhere. Sparks. Like, That's what salt water does to Kevlar. The Who would have thought? Fine. In, in its defense, because I, so currently I do salt treat my fire whips, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, will, I think it was was the mold because remember it went into the ocean with a bunch of bacteria mm -hmm. lots of fish poop a lot of fish poop mm. and it got left in a bag with water for like months so I think it was actually the the mold that basically just started eating the fiberglass and the Kevlar fibers mm -hmm. um and but not the so yeah but it was really funny <laughs> so for people who do want to salt treat their fire whips if you grab fire guard um it will protect the actual fibers from burning themselves. Because it's what the same stuff you use for like curtains and stuff if you're gonna fireproof curtains. Mm -hmm. Okay. So wow. therefore protect your whips a little bit better. We've gone through a lot of that bucket stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had no well, idea that salt could preserve it like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a spray bottle called FireGuard and you put it on any sort of fabric you're using. It's similar to the stuff they use on duvetine fabric mm -hmm. for like fire blankets and such. I think it's hmm. the exact same thing, It actually. might be the exact same thing. But um, we use it a lot on, um, since we do a lot of videography and such, with fire eating and fire whips and whatnot, and you, know, you don't want to set your whole set on fire and you're inside and that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Um, but if you just salt treat the crap out of it, then like even if a torch does land on it, you've got like 20 seconds before hmm. you're in really big trouble. Well, I have a fire whip. I think it's made by Dark Monk. Is it, am I correct? Yeah, okay. yeah I have one. Mm -hmm. It's a it's like a five footer. I think I, I used it once, but uh 
yeah it's pretty cool that first crack is the best you know oh you god that, yeah 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 outstanding that half, like you're just like okay i love this thing I'm yeah letting go of it. yeah i'm gonna have to get some fuel what what's the best fuel to use kerosene okay, so that, that's a, that huge a lot thing. of debate is that okay so if you the biggest, brightest flame you're going to get is going to be essentially with naphtha. So, like, you can mm. get pure naphtha if you really want. You can get it in, like, Rawson's fuel or, like, zipper fuel, but it's going to be really expensive. Uh, you can do uh, Coleman's as well, which is a naphtha distillate, or you can do Crown. All mm. those are going to be naphtha derivatives, okay? Mm -hmm. The next thing you can do is you can do a naphtha kerosene mix. Mm. Not going to be a less bright. Uh, it'll be a lot smokier, but then you'll get longer burn times. But okay. smoke can look really cool if you do photography right with a little bit of flash to catch the smoke. That can oh, actually yeah. be really cool. You'll probably get one minute if you use straight white gas and you're cracking pretty powerfully. You'll mm -hmm. get about the one minute 30 seconds um, for, for if you use a mixture. But you can get up to five minutes if you use, I think our maximum was seven. We have a video where we did seven minutes of a burn with straight kerosene. But that was like super wow. gentle pictures. Cause yeah. I was just like posing for pictures. So you just like keep it moving gently kind yeah. of. Well. Be aware that white gas, you will probably get approximately 50 to 50 to 60 burns maximum life. Mm. Uh, if you use completely white gas the entire time, if you use kerosene, you might end up getting like a hundred burns. If you use lamp oil, Lamp oil can burn for a super long time, but it mm -hmm. also puts the whip out a lot faster. Mm -hmm. um, so, because it just doesn't burn well. Mm -hmm. So, but lamp oil, if you continuously use lamp oil, you can get like 200 burns out of a fire whip because wow. it's no longer burning. But you can't crack it. it hard and you will not get fireballs. Oh, okay. Like it's, just, it's just not going to do that. It's like if you just want to dance with whips, let the fire like drape over your skin. It's if good for that. If mm. you're into fire whip play for like more adult purposes then yeah mm -hmm. you'll want to use lamp oil because it'll feel a lot better mm. uh it'll be a lot slicker so you'll get that oily feel um and then it's not gonna like spread everywhere or catch anything on fire does it have so like a lower burn point than the exactly the alternative? So, okay uh, it has a higher flash point it's harder to set on fire yeah. okay huh. so the higher the flash point the more heat you need to start it on fire so the less flammable it is okay yeah, so I always like, wondered about that. Has a flash point here, whereas wood has a flash point here. Yeah. Hmm. Whatever those. So are, for the for the podcast people who can only hear this. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So like <laughs> cotton, you can easily light on fire with like a lighter, right? While lighting a piece of wood with just a lighter is a little bit harder, which is why you use lighter fluid. Hmm. So April, are you still making fire whips? So I'm currently not making fire whips for public sale, although I'm currently making fire whips for my own personal use as well as um, high-end uses such as for world records or for very specific purposes. Basically, if you have something weird that you want to do or a specific thing, it's interesting enough that she wants to hear what you want to do. <laughs> and you're willing to pay a lot more for it. Awesome. I took your fire whip class, I think it was two years ago in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's there's been a lot of things I've added on since that class. Yeah, very informative class, by the way. I think you went for like three yeah. hours. Learned a whole bunch <laughs> yeah. of stuff from that. I appreciate you it going was only so long. Supposed to be like an hour, but yeah. next, you know, it's like I I know we're ridiculous. So my industry job, my last industry job before going full time performer, was actually materials engineer. So mm. like, it worked out really well for fire whips to have like a. Uh, undergraduate degree with a focus on combustion, obviously a master's on fluid dynamics, and then my industry experience on materials. So like that put me at like 
a amazing point to be studying fire whips. Mm. Although we may enjoy a craft ultimately for what it is, there can sometimes be elements of that craft that tend to drag on forever. For example, a 100 plus foot whip. That's right, April has made some whips in her time that are over 100 feet long. So what does she do to pass the time while planning? What are some techniques that you can use to manage strands that long? In this section of the podcast, we'll discuss some extremely long whips, as well as our first whips and ideas we had in the beginning on what would create a good whip. We'll also dive into some of the anatomy and construction of fire whips. I, I like to put yeah. on some documentaries sometimes when I make some whips. You know, it's it's just good to. I mean, sometimes I like making whips. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes those those twelve footers they carry on, and you just want to be done. You know, you probably yeah. understand oh, yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I helped her make the two, 300 and 260 and before that the 180 and I can't imagine making a 100 and the foot, three, the 3 365 we have a 365 foot whip now. It takes wow. so long. Yeah, how many hours does that take? Way too many. Like, uh, I think like 30 movies. <laughs> yeah, I went through I can't remember what series I went through, but I went through a couple Oh, I went through almost all of Doctor Who reboot. What's the whole series? Oh, yeah, so... Everything that was out so far, like, which was up to, like... So it was, like, end of the 13th, I think. Uh, It was the 9th, 10th, and 11th. I think the 9th, 10th, and 11th. Where's the last of the 11th? Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was... uh, I calculated for the 270-foot You went through all of Sherlock, too. Yeah, that was about... I want to say about two or 300 hours total for that one. Wow, that is incredible. So how do you... When you're plaiting this thing... Are you doing maybe a foot or two and then untangling? Or how do you keep the strands from, from all going uh, so crazy? I, uh, bleh, now. So you keep those on while you're plaiting, don't you? Yeah, so oh. those bundles, I'm plaiting the bundles in through everything so that this whip you can see. Yes. So then when those bundles run out, I have down here in my extra baggies, this is what's going to be going on. So then I add those on, and then I just keep repeating the process until I'm done with the whip. That's a great idea. Here, I was thinking you just plaited the whole thing with loose strands, but I guess that'd be practically impossible then. You can do that up to like, well, I mean, I guess you could do that with almost infinite, but it's almost, it's just, it's it's painful. It's sure. really painful. Oh, I bet it is. I wanted to ask if you have your first whip. It's something I like to often ask. Oh, God, no. You don't have the first one? Bethany, do you have your first whip? My friend Joe has. Uh, my friend John has my first whip. The purple beast. Yeah, monster. and then April's first whip. Her best friend Joe rescued because April tried to throw it away because she was so ashamed of it and she thought it was so terrible. So he rescued it out of the trash and has not let her see it since because he tried <laughs> to keep it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Beth tried to keep my. So it was uh, third or fourth. I think it's fourth. I liked that whip. Yeah, so I've, I learned flicks on that whip. I've been trying to get rid of my first four whips ever for like forever, and I finally got rid of the fourth one. <laughs> I have the purple beast, the black and gray one, uh, the black all black nylon one, and then the the tiger striped one. And I finally got rid of all of them because they're yeah. terrible whips. <laughs> yeah, she tried it's to your first. It's your first them. ones though. You you can't be like. <laughs> A master from the oh, beginning, were, though. Joe has they it in his basement. April's not allowed to know where it is. He's afraid 
to try and throw it away again. Oh. <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't even decor most of it. And I do mean most of it. Like, it's half <laughs> decor and half not. Like, he tried to dispose of all evidence then. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's pretty bad. It's real bad. And then, like, the second whip was like, I don't want to do a belly. So then you're like, Ugh, and then you're like, crap, you need to do bellies. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just turns out terrible. So then you do a belly, and they're like, okay, this works out. And then you're like, see if you can cheat somewhere else and then you realize you can't cheat anywhere so then you're like okay let me actually do it the way i'm supposed to and roll everything out and then that's the one i made for her but at that point i didn't like to do the the grip well so it still has a cap on it with like grip tape around the oh. handle and then i'm like okay no 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 i can't do grip so then eventually i decided to say okay let's do an actual whip every step like either a way that i know is traditionally works or i've already improved and i'm not going to take any shortcuts and from yeah. that point on, then I've been doing like real whips. <laughs> I think it was my my third whip I made. I had this idea that the handle is supposed to be so heavy, so I did something crazy. I took a a copper pipe and I filled it with concrete. What? Oh jeez. <laughs> I still have it. I still yeah, have I used that to use whip. Wooden yeah. handles for my fire whips too. I used to use wooden handles for my regular whips, and those all broke. Yeah. yeah. I used to use threaded rods, so I got a little more friction on it, and those all snap because they're threads. God, I use so many dumb ideas. The fire... Man, I have an album on Facebook of, like, the first maybe 100 or so fire whips I made and how terrible those were designs, those designs were. <laughs> God. That's the thing. With, with fire whips, it seems like it's so hard to get a taper. From my understanding, I've never made a fire whip, but because... Uh, so this is my trick, I think... Did I tell you this trick at LA WhipCon? I don't remember. You may so have. my new trick to help the taper is to use Nomex triangles. Hmm. So you know how traditional leather whips will use triangles of leather as a bolster? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Nomex felt. Hmm. The felt is a lot more absorbent. It protects the inner layers. Um, it expands when it heats up, so it helps protect it a little bit more, um, as well as it, the felt retains a lot more... Um, uh, fuel than normal Kevlar. So like having the Normex felt and that helps. Plus if you cut it into a triangle and wrap it out, it really smooths out that taper super, super mm. nicely. Bet that helps with the uh, the stiffness at the transition as well then, huh? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to get into fire whips. I'm going to have to make at least one. I have a, a whip kit, how to make a fire whip from a whip kit online. I might do a how to do a fire whip my current method at some point, but it just takes a long time to do all the small little subtleties. I'll probably just do an overview of like how I currently make fire whips. Mm -hmm. Cause like all the subtleties that go into fire whips is just ridiculous as well as, you know, as all the subtleties that go into um, just normal nylon whips, mm -hmm. things you don't really think about until you like have to try and tell people the finger tricks you use. And then you're like, Oh geez, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can tell you how to plat a whip, but to use all the finger tricks to be able to plat it quickly is going to take a while. You just came out with a video on speed platting, didn't you, April? Yeah, yeah. so like cause I did a lot of hair stuff and a lot of things where I'm braiding people's hairs and stuff. Yeah. So I used the same tricks um, that I uh, basically, if you know the difference between um, overhand or continental knitting or overhand and continental crocheting, mm -hmm. um, for those who are familiar with those terms, one basically you have to release the string and then wrap it around a hand and then put it back versus like catching them. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people, they end up like reaching behind their whip, grabbing a strand, pulling them under three strands and then over three strands to do a 12 plat, right? Mm -hmm. Versus what you can do is you're holding your whip, 
you dip your pinky in between the three strands, hmm. grab the base of that one and just pull it through. And you don't have to reach around or anything. You don't have to lift up anything else. You just push through, grab it and pull back. Hmm. You end up taking that entire step out. Wow. Um, and then things like that. That's crazy. Um, the it's... whole pull tight or plat loose pull tight, you can get rid of that by if you take your finger and as you plat, you pull it around, you smooth it out so it stays flat to everything. Mm -hmm. And then once you place your thumb over it, it keeps it tight. Uh, so therefore, you don't have to worry about loosening it or the re-tightening or re-edging. Mm -hmm. The thing I love about that is if you take your thumb, what happens if you move your thumb left or right, realizing that um, you're getting off angle or something, you just move your thumb left or right, and you're moving the point that where the, the last strand crosses over to the left or right. Right crossover point to the left, you'll notice a left spiral to the right, a right spiral. Or if you naturally spiral the rip when you plat, if you move it, say you do a left spiral, you just move your right each time, you even out and then have a straight plat. So hmm. that was a nice way of like showing people how you can speed it up, but also start correcting mistakes. And those are built into the finger tricks that uh, I've developed from just having to force myself to plat really freaking fast to get orders yeah. out the door. Yeah, that's really cool. How how many different types of of plaiting techniques that there are because I when I first started making whips I would always bind my belly so I never had a reason to hold to hold on to the core you know what I mean and then I started hanging yeah. out with Blake you know making he's got all these leather tails that he has to plaid over so he's got to hold it with one hand reach through those strands and I never did that and then just making yeah people like plat so they the reason they do both the belly and the overlay at the same time there's an instructable where a guy plats them at the same time so then when he has to drop the overlay, he drops the overlay and plats it into the belly. Which is pretty cool, honestly. And then he plats the overlay into the next drop, and then he puts that strand inside of the belly, and then he plats that into the belly, and then mm. the belly drops, he doesn't do anything. So he continuously braids the overlay into the belly, which is like, it's, it's pretty cool. tight. But I've never done it, but I've I'm, always looked at it and been like, I'm gonna try that someday. <laughs> I'm guessing he's had problems where he has the, the tails Okay. I mean, as I've slowly started plaiting looser and looser, because mm -hmm. yeah. like I like Dakota's whips a little bit more than Adam's whips because I noticed hers already start a little looser. Mm -hmm. And when we were making fire whips, and I needed to get tons of orders out the door, uh, I actually had recruited had to recruit Bethany to make a couple of whips. So mm -hmm. I would do all the base stuff, and then she would just plait for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then like we would do stock orders where we do like you know 20 fire whips, and we take those 20 fire whips to either a whip convention or a flow or a fire festival. And then people would play around with and you like pick the whip you like the most if you're gonna buy one. And a, a couple people, well not more than, a good number of people would choose her whips as being the ones they preferred because they they uh, were a little bit more fluid. And that's when I learned hmm. like, um, there are people who really like looser whips. Mm -hmm. So then when I started plaiting looser, the tail started coming out more. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up being you like, okay. You longer tails when you plait looser. Either longer mm -hmm. tails or you plait down your tail or like my personal method. sew it down method. to the core a lot yeah. of the time. If it's fire, you have to sew it down. Mm. Just, just sew it right through the core, right where you drop the strand. Or I just throw that tail onto a fid, and I use the fid, and I braid. I don't braid it in, but I take the fid, and I put it into the belly of the whip mm -hmm. and oh. pull it through. So That's like, a clever idea. If you have a tail of the overlay, you throw like the, the, the fid on it, and then you put the fid into the belly, out of the belly, into the belly, out of the belly, into the belly, cut it, seal it, roll it, and then you continue plaiting, and therefore that tail's not... Hmm going anywhere i mean everybody has different methods but that's why if you're if you start to plait looser you'll notice then you'll have issues with getting your tail 
uh, to not pull out when you overuse your whips. I just tack stitch it. I'm lazier. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I stitch fire whips since that's a lot harder to do with, but for nylons, it's, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I just made a video covering uh, Adam Winrich's style stock whip. Oh, cool. And when he. Oh, yeah. Was, I saw that. He was giving me the instructions of how to do it, and then I went to Germany a couple months ago um, and visited Andrea Fisher of Andrea's Snake Pit. She has a whip-making company, and we both we made a pair of stock whips, and it was really interesting to be plaiding and not pulling so tightly because usually I'm just like, the tighter the better, yeah. right? And then when he told me that the wax, I didn't realize how much that wax really does pull those strands tightly, even though it's a stock okay. whip and it doesn't have well. to be... Yes, yeah. So it took me a few years to realize how much the wax will will tighten those strands. So that was that was pretty cool to find that out. That's why I stopped wax. Like I don't think I've waxed a whip. We, wax a we literally time. threw out like twenty pound, like you know, those massive like what was it? It was a we twenty used it gallon. A while. Yeah, it was a twenty it was quart. A, it was a, twenty quart. Twenty quart. quart. So the paraffin. Yeah, yeah, twenty quart of soy wax because I didn't like the. So soy wax is a lot softer, and it melts at a lot lower temperature than candle wax. And hmm. plus, then once you're done waxing, your hands are really soft. Oh, yeah. It's good yeah, for your so hands, I, I think. Soy, so we tried soy wax, candle wax, a bunch of other ones, like a corn wax, and I found that uh, soy wax worked the best for at least what I liked. Huh. It's... We had us and two friends with our like entire whip collections. We were doing a bunch of waxing and stuff. And we had like our entire front bushes covered. We were at an apartment at this point. All the doors were open, all the windows were there was like whips draped over all the doors, <laughs> over the back fence, throughout the living room. Because we were on the west about half, all of us had like our entire whip collections like laying out. That's awesome. And, um, we had been going out, you know, testing, cracking them as they dried and coming back and da 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 da. Yeah. Um and so we were just standing around talking at one point near the end and this officer just like strolls in and he's like so uh, we got a lot of complaints in this area. I think I found the problem. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty soon he's cracking with. Yeah. Okay. He's like, we got a lot of calls, guys. <laughs> so where can people visit if they want to find out more about what you both do? You have a website. Of course, you have a YouTube channel. You put all kinds of cool stuff on there. But uh, what's, the, what's the best place for people to find uh, find you guys? So if you want to look at just like what we do day to day and you're actually interested in boring stuff, you can find us more on Facebook. Um, we have Facebook pages, so it's facebook.com backslash April Jen Choi. Uh, if you want to look at more kind of the the highlights and photography side of us, then mm -hmm. yeah, you'll check out the um, Instagram handles. Mine is withoutshade86. Bethany's is rainystar186. And then if you want to check out like dumb thoughts that come to the top of my head and you can check out Twitter, <laughs> April Jen Choi. And then if you want to see just the the major highlights, like the videos and the tricks that we've already gotten down and none of the bloopers of me hitting myself in the face with a brand new whip, then you can just look at YouTube. So I want to thank each each one of you guys for coming on the show. April and Bethany, thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation. Um, you guys are maybe two hours away in Illinois and we, April and I, I know yeah, you, you, not, we've been talking about having a right. whip meet pretty soon maybe when it warms up but uh three hours away yeah that'd be super sweet that'd be really cool yeah absolutely oh, well, just because leo and blake are pretty nearby adam's yeah. nearby half the year like there's a lot of whip crackers in the midwest there are yeah you guys coming to the yeah, la whip meet oh we will not be able to make yeah. it oh, sorry man, that's all right um what oh we're trying to get oh wait bethany gets to go visit her grandparents in january yeah oh. so that was the time that that worked, and it was like the same time, and it's like, mm, yeah, 
Yeah, I understand. That's why we got to get another whip meet together. Yeah, if you can do one yeah. in the summer and not in the winter, that would also help out. <laughs> yeah. You guys the great. first time I talked about whips with Bethany, it was a four-hour conversation. Hey, it's it's whips is a it entails a lot. You know what I mean? That's good. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you know any subject area you're one passionate about and two you're knowledgeable about. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys have a great night, and I've enjoyed hanging out with you both. Yeah, have a Thank good you. one. Bye, Nick. See you guys later.